Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Guys, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for rejoicing. The Good News segment uh, has become one of my kind of favorite parts of our church day. You know, it's, it's, it's just a way to praise God. You know, worship, praising God is declaring the good things that is done. We can do that in song. We can do that with our words. And so I really appreciate you, uh, you doing that today with your typing at least. Well, good news for me, as you know, I get to go home tomorrow. So that's uh, looking forward to that. Thank God it's you know, Monday tomorrow. Uh, so uh, I get to do that, which is which is nice. As I said, it's been great uh, to stay here in a holiday home uh, here in uh, nearby. And I uh, just wanted to say thanks to those of you that uh, took the initiative to contact us and offer to contribute to the costs of this uh, holiday home. Obviously, it is a holiday rental. Uh, the good news is, and the reason that we haven't accepted those uh, offers of contribution is because the owners have been very generous and have actually allowed uh, us or me to stay here at no charge for the last two weeks. They consider that as a ministry gift to our church family. And so that is a really uh, positive thing. And on that, Leanne just informed me uh, during the week that there's been a handful of you that have moved for that, to that next step of technology and uh, have moved to uh, uh, presenting your weekly offerings on EFT for the very first time uh, in lieu of uh, cash in the buckets, because obviously this is normally the time, of the, the time of the service we do that. So well done for those of you for uh, moving into that electronic zone. Obviously, more of us, we're all learning technology that's always been there that we we're stepping into. Uh, so a big thank you to those families who have been doing that. That's very encouraging. And for two reasons, as many of you read in Philippians this week, our financial giving, just like our singing, just like our good stories, is a offering of worship to God. You know, Paul talks in Philippians 4, they're about being a fragrant offering to God when people give financially, when people honor God with uh, the wealth that they have. And so that's really important. That blesses my heart to know that people have been worshiping uh, like that, worshiping electronically <laughs> during the week. And obviously the secondary thing, as again, you see in Philippians 4 there, is uh, talking about the partnership in the gospel uh, that we share as a church family, being about our father's business, even in these times as we need to adjust as as it were, some of the way we do that. And, you know, talking about being about our father's business, one of the whole reasons that I've been here for the last 13 days is because we as a church family have a commitment to being generous. We have a commitment to ministering beyond the borders of Bayside. I would not be here today for these last 13 days had I not have uh, committed myself to an overseas ministry trip Two and a half weeks ago, I left Thursday, two and a half weeks ago. Ah, seems like so long ago. Um, but you, and then the funny thing was, you know, when I left on the Thursday, Jay was saying Wednesday, you better make sure you pack a bunch of gear. I've just got a feeling uh, things might change fast. You might get trapped in New Zealand or something like that. Well, here I am. And, uh, you know, the whole reason, as I said, I'm here is because we as a church, not just Jay and I individually in our leadership group, but we as a church believe in being a blessing beyond our borders. And at times that means there is something of a price to pay. But you know what? One of the reasons, one of the reasons that we are demonstrating how strong we are as a church family during this time, one of the reasons that there seems to be such a sense of resilience in our church family is because we are a church that looks beyond 
ourself, okay? Looking beyond yourself, developing that environment, that culture, that vision of being an outward looking people brings resilience to us as individuals. There's a Psalm, I think it's 84, 82, something like that. It says, blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. They will go from strength to strength. Okay, so it's people who've set their heart on going on a journey, people who've set their heart on pilgrimage, who set their heart on not settling down, but going beyond where they are, having a vision beyond their own lockdown household, okay, <laughs> having a vision beyond themselves that actually develops strength. And one of the reasons that we are as strong as we are as a church family is because we have a vision beyond our borders. We are a church that thinks bigger and thinks beyond what is immediately beneficial for us or what is immediately before us. And that has built strength into us as a church family. And so I'm really proud of you guys for that. And basically, I have one who am I kidding? Not one. I've got one encouragement and three points. Of course I do. Of course I do. I've got one encouragement for you today. And it's simply this. This situation will not get the best of us. This situation will bring out the best of us. This situation will not get the best of us. It will bring out the best of us. And so if we want a title for my message today, it's simply this. When house arrest brings out the best when house arrest brings out the best and that's why i asked you to turn to philippians that's why i asked you to read philippians this week so why don't you do that if you had your bible and uh, we're going to read a couple of passages together in the book of philippians today the context of the letter to philippians is basically this is one of paul's letters that he wrote while he was in house arrest Okay, while he was in quarantine, almost while he was in solitary isolation in a home, unable to leave, Paul, the apostle, found himself in house arrest at the end of the book of Acts in chapter 28. Okay, so basically the story of Acts, it covers about 30, 32 years, something like that. And it's divided up into three main segments, essentially. The first third of Acts talks about how the gospel expanded in Jerusalem. Slow down, Chad how the gospel expanded in Jerusalem, Holy Spirit was poured out and the church in Jerusalem ministered to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. And it's generally focused around the 12 apostles or the 11, okay, Peter, John and all those guys, generally on them. Then the second third of the book of Acts focuses on the apostle Paul and his ministry well beyond Samaria. Okay, he goes to the uttermost parts of the earth and it's focused on his ministry trips as he goes. And with that preaching and with those miracles and with pioneering different churches, we see Paul face persecution, primarily, of course, by his Jewish brothers. The old covenant community persecutes the new covenant community. The older brother persecutes the new brother, the young brother. It's that whole motif there. Okay, so the second third of Acts is about Paul ministering, preaching and being persecuted. Well, the last part of Acts, the last third of the book of Acts is all about how that persecution turns into prosecution. Okay, the Jewish people who oppose Paul want to basically prosecute him in a court of law. They want him dead, basically. Okay, and it's not legal for them to kill him. A few of them tried with a stoning. Okay, behind behind uh, in out in a village somewhere where the Romans wouldn't know about it. Okay, but while he's in the capital cities, they know that they cannot kill him. They do attempt it, but they can't. So what they need to do is the Jewish people who oppose Paul need to get the Romans on board. They need to 
prosecute him in a court of law so that the Romans will execute him. They thought, hey, we did this with Jesus. Let's do it with Paul. What's the point, Chad? I hear you. The point is the last part of the book of Acts, the last third, is all about Paul's court cases. Okay, He basically goes from a local court to a, a, a higher jurisdiction and ultimately ends up in the Supreme Court. He appeals to different levels of the, of the legal system, Okay, basically, and he ends up in Rome in the highest court in the land. And what he's doing at the end of the book of Acts is he's under house arrest. Okay. He's not allowed to leave the house. He's got one of those, you know, monitors on his feet. Okay. Not allowed to leave. He's in a house. He's not in a prison. He's not in a dungeon. Okay. That kind of comes later in his life. But here he is in a house, in house arrest, unable to leave for two years while he basically works his way to his trial date, okay, uh, before Caesar ultimately, and maybe not before Caesar personally, but certainly before the highest court into the land. So that is the context of the book of Philippians. He is writing this while he's in house arrest. In fact, it's one of a number of letters that he wrote during this time, okay? While he was in house arrest here, he wrote the book of Ephesians, one of our favorites. He wrote, wrote the book of Colossians and Philemon, a little personal letter there. And then after he's written those letters, a guy from the Philippian church comes to him with a gift, with a food hamper, okay, and a bunch of fresh clothes and some pens and paper and stuff like that, right? He brings him a gift. And so he writes a letter to the Philippian church to thank them for that gift while he was there in house arrest. And you know, the very fact that we have these letters Okay, the very fact that we have Ephesians and Colossians and the book of Philippians is it demonstrates us that Paul was committed to not letting house arrest get the best of him. Yes, he was physically restricted, but he wasn't going to allow that to get the best of him. He was going to make the best of that situation. So that's actually what I want to do today. I want us to read some passages in Philippians and look behind the text, as it were, to see what was Paul's attitude like? What was Paul doing while he was in house arrest? Okay, so not, you know, normally when you read through the, the, the content, we're going to look at what he said. Well, I kind of want to look at what was behind what he said. Okay, what was Paul experiencing? Not so much what he wrote, but what it revealed about his attitude and demeanor at the time while he was in house arrest. Okay, so we're going to put ourselves in Paul's sandals today, in his shoes, okay, in his sandals, and read his words and ask ourselves, what was Paul's attitude as he wrote this? All right, let me give you a quick demo. Open up to Philippians 1, and I'll do a, a, a quick demo of what I mean by this. Philippians 1 verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Stop right there. Imagine yourself in Paul's situation. Thank my God every time I remember you. What is Paul doing when he's in house arrest? He's remembering. He's using his time to look back in the past and be grateful. To look back in the past and remember the good. Next verse. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay, stop there. Second thing Paul was doing, he was not only looking back and remembering the past. Oh, remember how awesome my Philippian trip was? Remember the whole jail shaking thing? Remember Lydia when she came to know Christ? And remember the jailer's family, how he washed my, we had a great dinner afterwards. Oh, that was awesome. He's remembering the past, but now he is rejoicing in the present. 
He's rejoicing in the good. He's right there on the house arrest, looking at the gift they've brought him and saying to himself, not only were you with me in the past, but you're with me right now. And I rejoice in the good now. Next verse, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. What he started in you and what he's still doing, he will continue to do in the future. What is Paul doing? Three things just in these verses. What is Paul doing? He's looking back and remembering the good. He is looking now and uh, rejoicing in the good. And he is looking ahead and is recognizing the good that is to come. What a great little lesson, hey? That's just a mini sermon. Look back, remember the good. Look now, rejoice in the good and look ahead and re-recognize that good is still to come. I want to do that today using uh, some of the last things that he said in this letter. So if you turn to Philippians 4, why don't we pray? Lord, I thank you. Oh, I need to slow my heartbeat down. I've had so many coffees this morning. You know, I can't, whatever. Okay. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you for the lessons you want us to learn today. I thank you for the time that we have together. And I pray that you would help us to know what we can do to make the best of this time. We bless you. We thank you for the partnership of this family that we are witnessing. We're witnessing even right now, the togetherness of our church family. We bless you for every member. We thank you for every body part. And as we come to your word today, we thank you for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Okay, slow down. Why don't you turn to Philippians chapter 4 and uh, let's see how we go from there. I need you to say amen to every now and again, okay? Chapter 4 and verse 10. What was Paul doing while he was under house arrest? Verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Look behind the text and ask ourselves, what was Paul doing while he was imposed under imposed house arrest. I see him resting. I see Paul at rest. He was content. Okay. His soul was at rest in the midst of a situation that was beyond his control. The Amplified Bible, uh, for those of you who don't know, basically is a, a version of the Bible that takes the Greek words because the, the words that were originally written here, all have nuance. It's kind of like they have uh, multiple facets of meaning. Okay, And so the Amplified Bible stretches out the meanings of those words to, to uh, amplify what uh, Paul could be saying. And it says this, For I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. Isn't that beautiful? Learn to be content, self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed and I'm not uneasy 
regardless of my circumstances. You see, Paul well acknowledged that he was not in control. He was not in complete control of his circumstances, but he was in control of his conduct in the midst of those circumstances. He may not have been control in what was happening around him externally, but he was his external world, but he was in control of his internal world. And he chose to rest. He chose to uh, enter into that secret place of contentment that he knew was in the Lord. Some of you, I'm sure, have heard of the serenity prayer. I can't see whether serenity is with us this morning, but hi, if you are. Uh, the serenity prayer, it was uh, probably about 100 years old or something, made famous because Alcoholics Anonymous make it sort of part of their mantra. Okay, And it goes something like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, put backwards, basically, it means, look, give me the wisdom to know the things I can change and the things I can't. And when I can change things, give me courage. And when I can't change things, give me contentment. Give me the peace, give me the serenity, give me the rest that I need in those moments. You see, yes, we as Christians are agents of change okay we are we do have authority we do have power and ability to change certain circumstances but some are not ours to change okay There's, and in those situations our role is not to recoil against them but to rest in the midst of the storm because we know jesus calmed the storm right but as you read that story it's like that wasn't it seems his original intent he was actually happy to rest in the middle of the storm. He knew he was going to get to the other side. He was sleeping in the boat, for goodness sake, sleeping at perfect peace, at perfect rest, and was like a little ticked off at the disciples for waking him up. It was like, come on, guys, you woke me up from my sleep. No man likes to be woken up from their sleep. A great sign of Jesus' humanity right there. And he was like, guys, we could have rested our way through this whole thing. And here we have um, Paul in house arrest okay these were not his choice this was not his preference he wanted to be in rome sure but he didn't want to be in prison he doesn't want to be in house arrest but he decided in that moment i can't choose how i got here i can't choose all of my external circumstances i cannot necessarily change but what i can do is choose whether i rest in my soul or whether i recoil internal world my internal world is under com my complete control my friends what to do when under house arrest to bring out the best number one rest how to bring out the best when under house arrest the first thing is to choose to rest find the anchor for your soul all right number two let's look at let's go back a little bit and look at verse two here in philippians 4. this is fascinating i plead with Odia, and I plead with Sarah, I don't know how to say her name, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, 
present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything excellent, anything praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned, received or heard from me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Great scriptures, some favorites in there. I know these are, you know, fridge magnets and bumper stickers and, and all that type of thing. Some of you just know these scriptures and love them. And guess what? I'm not talking about the scripture. I'm talking about what Paul was doing as he wrote these verses. Okay. I'm looking behind the text. What was Paul doing when he was under house arrest? I see him here blessing other people with his words. He was committed to blessing. He was speaking, writing, but speaking words of love, words of life, words of liberty, words of life. Even from the place of his limitation, Paul was committed to blessing other people. He was committed to rest and he was committed to bless. And what I love about these is that both uh, he obviously blesses God. We'll see that in a moment. But he blesses other people both individually and collectively as a group. I love the fact here that he uh, talks to all of them. You know, he says, brothers and sisters, all of you rejoice. It has this honest kind of factor to it because he is after a writing to a church. But also within this passage, he gets very personal. He's not just broadcasting general truths to everyone. He is actually getting very personal. He has people on his mind, individuals that he knows are having facing uh, certain issues. Okay, individuals he knows that have particular needs, and he names them. He, even though I can't, I can't pronounce them. He names them one by one for all time and eternity. We have the names of at least three, maybe four people here in this passage that he specifically mentions and blesses. He gives them good advice. He encourages them to move forward. He blesses them with constructive words, with his blessing, okay? Individual men and women. And obviously as well, not only does he spend his time blessing people, but he also blesses God. Obviously he himself is rejoicing. And in fact, right at the end of that passage in verse 20, he says, praise be to God. Oh, where is it? Hang on, Chad. He says, to our God be glory, forever and ever amen okay what is paul doing what's the point while he's distant physically while he's suffering unfairly due to something that's beyond his control he had nothing his conscience was clear he didn't need anything to deserve this house arrest paul took the technology and the resources that he had available to him okay he took a read and he took some papyrus scrolls and he continued to speak words of blessing both to groups and to individuals. He's continued to speak words to those within his world, even though he was physically distant from them. The point is this, house arrest brings out the best when we make the call to continually bless, to continually bless, to use our mouths, to use our words, to bless other people. And whether we broadcast our blessing to groups or whether we target individuals during this time, it is a great thing to do, Make them bring out the best by making a commitment to bless other people with your words. Last thing, then we're done. Let's move on. Philippians 4.21. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me 
send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Not everyone's favorite verse in Philippians, okay? But remember, that's not the point. The point is not necessarily what is said. The point is what was happening behind the scenes that he could say such a thing. And here's my third point. What was Paul doing under house arrest? He was investing. He was investing. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, while here in house arrest, it turns out that Paul continued to sow the seeds of the gospel. Paul's attitude was, listen, I need to be about my father's business, okay? The message doesn't stop. My ministry doesn't stop. My calling doesn't stop. Yeah, things might be shut down around me. Yeah, I might be physically bound. Yeah, I might have something that's beyond my control, but I can control my inner world. I can control the things that can come out of mouth, and I can control what I do with my time. And I still need to invest my time wisely. After all, I have been called a steward of, of things that God has entrusted to me. I am a steward of the gospel, Paul calls himself. And that's exactly what he does here. He continues to invest the seeds that God has placed in his hand and invest that into others beyond himself. Why? What do we see here? We see that while he was there in house arrest, he was still leading people to Christ. His ministry was still continuing. You hear about that in chapter one. He says, everyone around the palace guard, the security guards, basically that were watching him, all of them know about me. All of them know why I'm here. All of them know my message. And here at the end of his letter, he says, guess what? Since I've been here, people have been getting saved. Why? Because he hasn't stopped sowing. He hasn't stopped investing during this time of physical uh, restriction. The letter of Philemon tells us that one of the people he led to Christ while he was under house arrest was a guy called Anisimus. You can go read that in Philemon. Philemon takes about a minute to read that book. And as I said right at the start, the very fact that we have these letters the very fact we have Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon's and Philippians, the very fact we have this book in our hand is a sign that Paul was committed to continuing to invest the seeds God had given him even when he was in physical restriction and under house arrest. Paul's investment while he was under house arrest has touched the world. Paul's investment during that time is in your and my hands today, 1900 and 58 years later, okay, almost 2,000 years later, we are eating the fruit of what Paul invested, of what Paul sowed, the seed he sowed while he was there. What's the point? Eat, simply this, even in a restricted situation, he made the most of it. Even in a restricted situation, he was wise to invest his time invest his talent, invested his resources well during that restriction. There is no hint at all about Paul here being mopey, okay, of, of, of letting it get on top of him, of going, woe is me, that kind of attitude, that kind of approach. Yes, he was resting. He knew there were certain things beyond his control and his soul was in rest, but he wasn't lazy because he knew there's certain things I can't do, but there are certain things that I can do. And so while he rested, he also invested, okay? There are many things I can do to make the most of this situation. And it reminded me as I read this this week about Joseph at the end of Genesis in Pharaoh's prison. 
unfairly done by. His brothers sold him into slavery. He lost his job because an individual lied about him. It was totally unfair for him to be there in prison. Yet he didn't get mopey. He didn't get whiny. He didn't get complaining. He made the most of it. He didn't get lazy. He invested into his future. He knew he was called for greatness. And that calling did not stop while he was in the prison for that time. And so he rose to prominence while he was there because he uses his time wisely. It reminded me of Jeremiah. You know, there's this famous verse, another classic verse, okay? In Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know it. It says, uh, we all know it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The whole context of that verse is, is God speaking to the people that are about to go into captivity. They're about to go into lockdown for a period of time away from their homes in that case, okay? And Jeremiah says to them, listen, God's got great plans ahead of you. But in the meantime, while you're in lockdown, plant gardens, build homes, plant crops, get married, invest into that time while you are there. Yes, it's going to come to an end. You will come out the other side, but you better make the most of it while you were there so you come out of it stronger and more effective as we move forward. That's the whole context of Jeremiah 29 of that promise. That promise doesn't just stand alone. It stands at the end of him saying, invest your time wisely while we're in a place that we would much rather not be, except the fact that's where we are and in invest while you are there. In fact, last weekend, um, uh, Jay just, I just listened to it yesterday. Jay sent me a podcast from Bill Johnson at Bethel Church, Sermon of the Week, if you want to look it up, spoke on almost exactly the same thing, investing into your future and investing into the lives of others during such times as this. And you know, for me, I mean, I came in here 13 days ago, okay? I determined I'm going to make the most out of this time from a place of rest, not recoiling against the fact that I had to do this. Not resting, that's it. My heart's at rest. I'm accepting this is what's going to happen, but I'm going to make the most of it while I am there. I did this 11 years ago when I wrote my first book. Many of you know this. I was in lockdown for two weeks with pneumonia. Can you believe it? At my age, I had pneumonia. I was in bed for two weeks and I thought, to heck with this. Enemy's not going to get the best out of me out of this. And I wrote, he qualifies you in bed, coughing up for two two straight weeks because I thought I'm going to make the most of this time. My current book, I've been working on it. Jill asked me about that before on the thread. I didn't respond to you, darling. Sorry, but uh, but asked me about have I been you know getting on with my book while I'm here? Yeah, I've been like doing twelve plus hour days on stuff while I've been in here. I'm making the most of this opportunity. I've written maybe six or seven different appendixes. I've been talking, uh, not appendix, like, you know, uh, articles, put it that way. Uh, I've uh, been talking to artists about sketches and sketch work, getting quotes for that type of thing, talking to my publisher, uh, thinking thinking about social media content on my public page to go bigger. You've seen me do more videos on that uh, type of thing. I'm not going to waste my time here. Even financially this week, we've made certain commitments to certain things. There's a clear statement that we will be about our father's business. I will fly again. I will get on a plane. I will minister to the gospel elsewhere. I will produce a product, maybe not as extensively widely read as Paul's, never, but I will produce a product that will go to the four corners of the earth. I am going to make the most of this time that I am here. And I know many of you have that attitude and are doing the same in your world, continuing to invest in our local community, going to cafes and restaurants, getting takeaway. It's a sign of saying, listen, we're in a situation we would rather not be, but we're going to invest into both my future. Some of you might need to take up video online courses and 
and, and get stuck into your Bible. Do my chronological Bible reading plan, okay? Uh, do some courses, develop your skills, do some reading, invest in the lives of other people. What's the point? The point is, do not waste this opportunity. The Bible says, make the most of every opportunity. And this is an opportunity for us to sow seeds, to invest. Because I want to tell you, we are not witnessing the end of the world. This is not the end of the world. And God said to Noah, for as long as the world continues, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. There will be seed time and there will be harvest. This is not the end of the world. And so right now, the principle of sowing and reaping, thinking beyond the immediate, that principle still applies to us today. My friends, I want to leave you with three things from today. The one thing is this. This situation is not going to get the best of us. It is going to bring out the best of us. And I think individually and together as a church family, and we can say this on behalf of our community as well, this will not get the best of us. It will bring out the best of us. In order for that to happen, there are three lessons we can take from the Apostle Paul during his period of house arrest. Number one, rest. Okay? Accept the things that I cannot change. I will not resist them. I will not recall against them. I'll accept the things that I cannot change. My heart is at rest. Number two, bless. Use your words to bless God in this situation. Spoken about that a lot over the last two weeks. Use your words to bless God and use your words to bless other people. Make the call. Make the call and bless people both in groups and one-on-one -on -one during this time. Rest, bless, and invest. Sow good seeds. Invest your resources wisely during this period. Guys, bless you heaps. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you haven't read Philippians already, okay, the way books like this, books in the Bible like this are meant to be read is you just read it from start to finish in one sitting. You can literally read Philippians in 10 to 15 minutes, not a problem, okay? Swallow it whole. If you want, if you want some homework, okay, why not try Colossians and Ephesians? They're really similar because they're written at the same time during this period of house arrest, and maybe you too can pick up some things in there about what Paul, what type of example Paul was setting, what his attitude was when he was in lockdown for two years. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au and of course if you're ever in the area please pop in and say good day.